Okay, so let's get into it. I want to share a few devotional thoughts with you in this Christmas season. Let me ask you a question to kick it all off. How many of you have had at least one child? Can I see your hands? All right, God bless that hand. How many of you struggled to find the right name for your child? <laughs> Almost everybody in the room, because that's just really. More importantly, though, how many of you followed the rules when you picked the name for your child? How many of you even know what the rules are? Okay. First of all, rule number one is you can't use the name of anyone that you or your spouse ever dated. <laughs> or that your in-laws knew and didn't like, right? Or that everybody knew was a nut job. You just can't use that name, never, ever, no. The biggest rule, though, is will it work with your last name? Some of you know about the former Texas governor, uh, James Hogg, whose daughter's name was Ima. Had another daughter, I'm told, called uh, Yura. True story. You can just play with that all you want to. Or, or any potential future last names. In our previous church, Kim and I had some folks that we just used to love to, we used to love very deeply. Uh, one of them's name was Kitty Katz. I don't know what her maiden name was. There was another one. In fact, it was her best friend was Pam Ham. But my absolute personal favorite was one Sunday afternoon. I'm flipping through connect cards from that morning, and I found the name, I'm a hussy. I, I kid you not, that was her name. I said all of that to say simply, in the Bible, name means character. And so we use a lot of names, they're the handle that we go by, but when you read a name in Scripture, biblical writers understood the principle. Isaiah knew what he was doing when he, uh, when he wrote Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Go to the Bridge NC app and follow along. Maybe you brought your own Bible. It'll be on the screens as well. Here we go. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, same with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Over the next three Sundays, we're going to be talking about some of those names and specifically the character traits that are tied to those names so that we can only understand them but take advantage of them so we can lean into them. Because again, names in Scripture are not just a handle you go by. They are in fact indicative of character and in our case, opportunities for benefit. So today, let's just take a few minutes. It won't take long, but let's talk about wonderful counselor. In the Hebrew, the word wonderful is the word pele that literally translates in English an international soccer player. That's what pele, that just went over some of your heads. Just All right. Wonderful pele means beyond description. We're talking about wonderful, but wonderful doesn't really say it in English because in Hebrew it is the highest expression of amazing, incredible, perfect, stupendous, it's too wonderful for words. Counselor in the Hebrew is yawatz, and yawatz means to advise. It means to counsel. It means to guide. It means the, the infinite guide. And so part of who Jesus is in coming is all of these other things, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, but he in fact is the most amazing quintessential expression of the guide, the counselor that all of us need at some points in our lives along the way. And Isaiah understood that, and he wanted us to understand that as well. That says to me that Jesus 
came, uh, God became flesh and dwelled among us, but he didn't come as a cosmic killjoy. He came as the God who made you, who knows you, who cares for you, who knows everything that you go through. And the result is he can be the wonderful counselor that nobody else can be. But even more than that, he understands what you're going through. Because he understands the battle that's associated with it. Hebrews said it this way, chapter 4, verse 15, 16. For our high priest is able to understand our weaknesses. Why? When he lived on earth, he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Stop there. That says to me that everything you've experienced in life, our Savior has been through it, understands it, experienced it, and overcame it. If you ever want somebody to give you advice, I think it's the person who has been where you are and has gotten to where you want to be. So if there's anybody who can give you advice and counsel and guidance in a compassionate kind of way, it would be Jesus. Verse 16, let us then feel very sure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace. There we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. You don't have to be afraid to come to this counselor because what you're going to find when you get there is grace and help and mercy. That's why he came. This amazing, compassionate, wonderful to wonderful for words, counselor and guide came for you no matter what you're going through. In fact, that's so much a part of his persona, who he is, that at one point he had led a man named Matthew who was a tax collector, cheat, crook guy in the community, had led him to follow Jesus. And Matthew got so excited about Jesus that he invited all of his corrupt friends to a party and invited Jesus to be the, 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 the center guest, you know, the main guest of the party. And Jesus went to the party and hung out. And afterwards, the haters, you know, haters got to do what haters do. The haters started saying all kinds of horrible things about Jesus for going to a party with a bunch of sinners. Jesus' response to the haters was, this is why I came. Get over yourself. Luke chapter 5, verse 31. That's the Pastor Jim paraphrase. That's not exactly what he said. But here's what he said. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, including you haters that are picking on me for going to a party. <laughs> Understand, he understands what you're going through no matter what it is, and he cares and he loves you and he wants to help. He wants to guide you through whatever situation you're in. And I know Christmas can be one of the most amazing, joyous experience for all of us, but in some ways it can be some of the darkest periods in our lives because Christmas often represents for us some of the losses of our lives or some of the pains of our lives or, or the people that are not with us that we wish were with us. It can be an incredibly painful season for all of us as we work our way through this sin-cursed world. So in the few minutes I've got with you, just a very few more minutes, I want to uh, just help you take advantage of this counselor. I want you to get the benefit that's derived from having this counselor available to you. And... Uh, 
In early years of my pastoral ministry, I did a lot of counseling. I did a lot of marriage counseling. I did a lot of one-on-one counseling. I did a lot of all kinds of different kinds of counseling, helping people through all kinds of things. And, 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 and one of the frustrations of that process for me during those days, and you can ask anyone, Pastor Andy, who does a lot of pastoral counseling even today, uh, professional counselors, that's all they do, ask them and they will all tell you the same thing. It, what is the most frustrating part of your job? It is when somebody comes to me and they've already gone so far down the road and they, that, that they've waited until it's in crisis before they come for guidance and they don't want to hear what I say. They don't want to do what I tell them they need to do. And so it's frustrating because I could help if they would let me, but I can't because they won't cooperate with me. If you're working with Pastor Andy right now as a counselor, then cooperate with him because he wants to help you. But whether we're talking about an earthly counselor or we're talking about this amazing, wonderful, eternal counselor, the question really is, how do you cooperate? How do you cooperate with him so that you can take advantage of this wonderful counselor? Three quick stories from the life of Jesus that outlines three different things that you need to be aware of, steps, if you will, to cooperating with the counselor. Again, very quickly, number one is you got to be honest. In fact, you got to be brutally honest with this wonderful counselor. It's amazing the games that we play with counselors. It's amazing how many times I've had couples come in and, and, and sit down and, and both of them are saying that the only problem they have in their marriage is the person they're married to. I remember saying to a couple one time, I said, guys, I don't think you understand. You don't have problems. You are the problem because you, you, you don't really want a solution. You just want to attack each other. you got to get past that point, but we play these amazing kinds of games, uh, and many of them are, are making sure that we are, I mentioned it last week, that we are the hero of our own story because we don't want the counselor to think bad of us, so we're never really honest with them. Let, let me give you an example of how it's supposed to work, Okay. One day Jesus was traveling through the countryside and he came on a well to, to get something to drink and there was a lady there that he recognized. He knew immediately, never seen her before, but he knew who she was in the spirit and, and he recognized that she was a woman that had had multiple marriages failed, had to live in a boyfriend at the time. She had a lot of pain in her life and so he struck up a conversation with her and as most any good counselor will do, he started by asking her some questions would put her, which put her in the position to decide whether to hide, try to fake her way through this conversation, or to be brutally honest. John chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. You see what's happening? She's got a decision to make now. Because she knows she doesn't have a husband at home. He knows she doesn't have a husband at home. But the question that that raises in my mind is, am I, am I going to be honest with this guy or am I going to dodge this issue? She decided to go for it. Verse 17. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say there, you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're now with is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Understand, as hard as that conversation must have been, her honesty is what made a continued dialogue possible. It was her honesty that set her up for the healing that she needed. 
You see, Jesus understood that what was going on in her life was there was a hole in her soul that she was trying to fill with something that didn't fill. But she had to get honest about that before he could help her to, to find the living water that he came to offer. Bottom line is you get to decide whether you're going to benefit from the wonderful counselor that came that first Christmas and is here now today on the basis of how honest you are with him and with yourself about what's really going on in your life. The second little uh, illustration or trait of, of leaning into it is, is not only do you have to be honest with this counselor, but you've got to listen. You've got to listen to the wonderful counselor's voice. There's a great story in Mark chapter 9 that kind of illustrates this principle. One day Jesus took three of his disciples up to a mountain to pray, and, and, and while he was there, this amazing miracle happens. You can go to Mark chapter 9 this afternoon and read it in detail if you want, but this amazing thing happened. Jesus started to glow in the dark. I mean, just kind of this phenomenal thing happens. Elijah and Moses show up, and Jesus is carrying on a conversation with Elijah and Moses, and you can imagine if you were there, the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, were blown away by the moment. Their eyes, you just imagine, their eyes are wide, the hair standing on the back of their neck. They're saying, let's build three tents and stay here. I don't want to ever leave this moment. You ever had one of those experiences? You don't want it to pass. You want to live in that moment for the rest of your life. Well, that's where they are. It was in that moment that God the Father spoke. How, how many believe God had their attention at this point? So, so let me ask you this. In, in, the, in the power of that moment... He has their attention perhaps in a way that, that it's almost impossible to, to have any more attention than he has in this moment. What do you suppose the father would say? What would be the most important thing that he could say to them in that moment now that he has their attention? Mark chapter 9, verse 7 and 8 tells us, Then a cloud appeared and, and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. What? Listen to him. Of all the things the father could have said in that moment, he said, listen to him. Listen to the wonderful counselor. Listen to the prince of peace. Listen to the everlasting father. Listen to the king of kings. Listen to him. He's my son, and I love him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus so important, guys, that we're going to kick off a whole series in the beginning of the new year, January 6th, the first Sunday of the year. We're going to start a whole new series we're calling Sound On. And during the month of January into early February, we're going to learn, how does God actually speak today? How do we learn to listen to his voice? How do we tune in to hear what he's got to say? What do we do when we've heard the voice of God? How do we listen to what he's got to say? For now, just simply understand that God is still speaking i got two amens over here and silence over here. God is still speaking. I mean, just like there are Wi-Fi waves in this room right now, there are television and radio waves in this room right now, God is still speaking. The only question is, are you listening? You see, the only reason you're not picking up a TV wave right now is because you don't have a TV tuned in. 
you, you probably are picking up Wi-Fi. You've probably got your phones on and you got, you know, your tablets with you. And you're probably on Wi-Fi right now. You're picking up the signal because you have the equipment tuned to the frequency. Is this making sense? So he's speaking all the time. The only question is, are you listening? And the Father, in perhaps one of the most powerful moments of Peter, James, and John's life, the thing he said to them is, listen to what he says. Here's how John put it later in chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run away from him because they don't know his voice. Growing up, our sons learned to know my voice. And they would turn when they heard my voice. They learned to know my tone of voice. (laughs) They knew whether to come or stop in their tracks based on my tone of voice. You all understand that, right? I don't even have to know Kim's voice. She just has to look. (laughs) Just the look. You know, I don't know, women, where do, 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 is there a manual where they teach you ladies the look? Guys, we can't do it, can we? Come on. You, you can go and nothing happens. Just, but our wives look at us, buddy, and we just melt. It's just, it's a look. But hear me, the point is we need to be able to listen and hear his voice. If you want to benefit from the wonderful counselor, you've got to be brutally honest with yourself and him. And then you've got to listen to what he's got to say. Finally, You've got to trust his heart. Because sometimes, hear me, sometimes what he says to you won't make sense to you in the moment. Sometimes what he says to you will not take clarity for you until you're in a different context. So you have to learn to trust his heart even when you don't understand his words. See, it's one of the things about about Christianity that can be a challenge for an outsider, for somebody who's never committed their lives to Christ. The Holy Spirit hasn't taken up residence in their hearts where they know his voice and and recognize his voice and trust his voice is is oftentimes Christian truth is counterintuitive. It's the exact opposite of what comes natural to you. In fact, the the Bible is clear. The way up in the Christian faith is down. The way to be exalted is humble yourself. The way to get a blessing is be a blessing. The way to live is die to self. It's the exact opposite. There's a story in the New Testament from the life of Jesus of a guy who couldn't understand it. And the result is he was not able to enjoy the benefits of the wonderful counselor. When Jesus told him what to do, he just, he couldn't trust the wonderful counselor's heart. The story goes like this. One day Jesus is traveling and he runs across this this rich young guy uh, who fell at his feet, recognized who he was and fell at his feet. And he said, sir, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Jesus' response to him was probably like any good counselor. He started with common ground. He started by saying, okay, well, let's see. You you probably already know the Ten Commandments, right? You you know what those are, right? Um, 
And so that's a point of reference they could all relate to. Mark chapter 10, verse 20, the young rich man's response was, Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I want you to picture that moment, understanding who the wonderful counselor is and understanding the moment that he is in, he's dealing with a young man that he knows wants eternal life. He's dealing with a young man that he knows he's about to give his life for to pay for his sins. He's dealing with a young man who is confused in his mind about the true source of self-worth and self-esteem. A young man who loved material things, who got his sense of self-worth from his net worth, but Jesus didn't look at him and say, you dummy, you got it upside down. What a flawed human being you are. What did he do? He loved him. In other words, his heart broke over the reality that he understood that he was going to tell this young man what to do. He was going to answer his question but in all likelihood, he wouldn't be able to do what the master told him to do. And here's where it gets confusing for some people because Jesus loved him, but he told him something he didn't want to hear. Jesus told him something he didn't want to hear because he loved him. That's why Solomon wrote in Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Hear me, guys. Lean into this. When Jesus loves you, he may tell you some things you don't want to hear if you're listening. And when you hear it, you have a decision to make. Some of you sitting here right now or watching me online, you, you may hear the voice of God speaking into your heart right now telling you that you need to break up with the person that you're dating. You don't want to hear it. He may be telling you you're upside down financially and the only way out is to stop propping yourself up with things and downsize and sell that BMW start tithing. He may be telling you something you don't want to hear. He may be telling you that the only way to find real life is to give up your life, give up your agenda, and give up your plans to embrace his plans for your life. And that can be scary to hear, but please hear me. Whether you understand the wonderful counselor's words or not, trust his Heart, trust him to tell you the truth. Trust that he will always have your best interest at heart when he does because that's who he is. Here's what Jesus told this rich young guy, Mark 10, 31 and 2. There is still one thing you haven't done. Okay, you obeyed all the commandments, got it, good, good, good. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Is that an instruction that in order to get to heaven, we all have to sell everything we have? Somebody say no quick. 
Jesus cut to the heart of what's really going on in this man's life. It was his house and his cars and his bling and his stuff that was propping up his sense of himself. And Jesus said, you've got to get outside of yourself if you really want to embrace eternal life. Verse 22. At this the man's face fell, and he went away very sad, for he had many possessions. My question is, did he? Did he really have many possessions, or did many possessions have him? The bottom line is he couldn't trust the counselor's heart. Again, some of you sitting here right now, you, you may say, yeah, I, I, I'm honest with God about what's going on in my life. I'm honest with myself. You may say, I'm listening for his voice, and, and you know, and I, I try to hear what he's got to say. But the truth of the matter is some of you don't have a wonderful marriage because you aren't listening to the wonderful counselor saying. You don't have financial health because you aren't listening to what the wonderful counselor is saying. You don't have physical health because you aren't listening to what the wonderful counselor is saying. You're not digging into the truth from this counselor who loves you and saying, I will do whatever it is he tells me to do. I'm going to trust his heart whether it makes sense to me or not. We'll get into that in a lot more detail in the next series. We'll even talk about how do you know for sure that what you're hearing is Jesus, instead of maybe I ate too much pizza last night and, you know, how do you know the difference? We'll get into that. Bottom line is, Jesus came on that first Christmas. He came to be Prince of Peace. We'll talk about that next Sunday. He came to be the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. We'll talk about that on the last Sunday of the year. For today, I want you to think of him as the wonderful counselor, the one who knows, cares, understands, has experienced everything you're going through, and he's overcome them. He'd like nothing better than to guide you through to an abundant life. Let's pray that prayer together. Bow your heads with me for just a minute. Close your eyes. I'm not going to keep you long, but you may be sitting here right now or watching online and and uh, you've never actually said, Jesus, I want to follow you. So in this moment, here's your chance. I can give you a prayer to recite. I can give you words to say. But the bottom line is in your heart, you need to be able to say, I believe the wonderful counselor has come for me. And I'm going to start being brutally honest with myself and him. I'm going to listen to what he's got to say and when he speaks. I'm going to do my best to obey. Jesus, forgive me for trying to figure this out on my own. Help me to trust your heart. Father, you know who's praying. You know exactly what's going on in their lives. I pray you'd make yourself very real. Let them sense your love right now. Then others of you in the room or watching online, you're a follower of Jesus, but there's something going on your physical health, your emotional health, your relational life, your marriage. It's really hard to be brutally honest about it because if you are, you're going to have to look in the mirror and say, I'm 
I'm part of the issue. I'm part of the problem. It's incredibly difficult to hear his voice sometimes because there's a, a cacophony of voices going off in your head and advisors on every corner, even Satan whispering in your ear. You don't deserve health. You don't deserve life. Somehow through the midst of that, you need to hear Jesus speak into your circumstance. Then you need to pray this simple prayer with me. I'm praying it. I'm asking you to pray it with me. Wonderful counselor, would you guide me through this set of circumstances that I'm in? Would you give me direction? Would you help me to rise above it? Would you give me the confidence that not only, not only do I have eternal life in the future, but I have abundant life available now? Thank you for being the wonderful counselor that I need. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.